Are you one of the three quarters of people struggling with a fear or anxiety around public speaking? Do you wish you could communicate more effectively, develop more meaningful relationships, grow your business and access greater opportunities? Welcome to Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. In this series, I'll draw on my own experience from terrified teenager to UK award-winning speaker and communications coach, as well as speaking to a number of special guests, all with one object in mind, to help you communicate more effectively. Ready to grow? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Simon Speaks podcast and welcome to this latest episode. It's a pleasure to welcome Alex Owen Hill to the show. He's a voice presentation coach, speaker and a content marketing strategist. And his mantra is to find a reliable version of yourself and the voice of your business. This is about being able to create a message, clarify it, and then articulate it authentically to the people that you want to engage with. And he uses a number of techniques to engage his clients and help them to effectively engage with audiences, both in person and online. Alex, the warmest of welcomes to the show. Um, oh, thank you for I know, first of all, that you grew up in a in a very lively household, but were probably the least lively person in that household. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and how that set you up to do what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was the least li- lively, really. I'm pretty lively in some ways, um, but I am. I, I was the only inverted engineer in a family of actors and acting teachers. So I kind of grew up being the person who was going, no, I'm not going to do any performance. I'm just going to I'm going to do robotics, which is what I did. Um, and everyone around me was sort of going off and doing actory things. My mom's a and that was an actor, was a voice coach throughout the time when I was growing up. Um, and my dad is uh, has always been an actor. My mom is now a, a funeral celebrant, which is a, again a sort of kind of performance. Um, and then my extended family are all actors as well. So it was it was lively in the sense that you know people burst into song all the time, and any p- opportunity for performance, you kind of take it. Um, I also burst into song all the time, so <laughs> it's something that's definitely rubbed off. But yeah, for many years, I was very much just wanting to be techie and just wanted to program things and make robots and things. Yeah. Now, I've had the privilege of attending one of your workshops that you've done before, and I know that some of the techniques you that you have picked up from, from people around you filter their way into the way that you engage with people and help them to engage with their audiences. And I, I found it really insightful and it did take you a little bit out of your comfort zone. I think that's a good thing. So tell us a little bit more about, about how you, how you do that, how you engage with people and some of the techniques that you, uh, that you work on with them. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, performing now is part of my comfort zone as with everything, you kind of things that are difficult, the more you do them and the more you rehearse them, the more you get, you get good at them. And now, you know, getting up on stage and doing the sort of things I was doing in that workshop you were, you were at is, is something that I really enjoy. And it's the way of, kind of accessing a very energized version of myself um which is as you say what i try and get people to do as well but specifically the workshop you came to was about voice and that that's really how i kind of transitioned from robotics to to what i do now which is kind of performance and it's about how you you come across in terms of when you're speaking about your business are you coming across in the right way and as i say my mum was a voice coach throughout all my childhood so i spent a lot of time in voice classes she taught acting students and then when i went away to be an an engineer i kind of saw a lot of bad practices and with my background i was able to 
not only go well why why are all these presentations in these that these lecturers are giving us in this university so bad i was also kind of picking them apart and going okay well this is what they need to do to improve this is how they need to absorb themselves into the audience to be able to to really kind of give their information in an engaging way um and that's kind of that seed grew so that when i finished my phd in robotics i i got interested in voice again in a real deep way so i went away and well i wrote a book which i've never published but i wrote a 500 page book on voice just learning like how it works and how you train it and all that sort of stuff i've done training in voice after that um and it's it, it was really kind of foundation in what i do is is this voice uh which is which is physically you know how do you physically use your voice um but that kind of stems into how you speak what your your voice is in inverted commas when you're speaking on behalf of your business what's the personality of your business what's the personality that you have that comes across when people are interacting with you whether whether it's on stage speaking or whether it's in sales conversations or presentations at work or in meetings or whatever it is how we show up as a performer is it kind of imbues everything that we do even if we don't think of ourselves as performers mm. it's nice to hear somebody talking about this because uh, I was listening to a text talk by Julian Treasure, who again is a, a speaker coach uh, some time ago. And he said that the human voice is the instrument we all have to learn to play. Uh, and, and as somebody who's tried to learn to play the piano and, and try to play it on certain occasions, I, I've nowhere near mastered it and I've played it for ages. And, yeah. and the human voice is the same way. I think it's an instrument we all have to learn, but it takes years and, and diligent practice to master. Uh, and, and then there's obviously is, the, sound, yeah. the sound of your voice, but then like you say, how you come across to people. Um, I, and well on that like you you use the example of the piano and i play the piano um but nobody thinks that they can play the piano because it's not something that that we do every day you know you'd think okay i'm going to sit down i'm going to learn the piano but the problem with voice is that we all speak every day so people come to using their voice and then they're like well you know i speak all the time i get presentations you know what do i need to learn and you know you've got a bit of an insight into what it requires now having been to that workshop that i went to as you say there's a lot more below that that you kind of need to learn and then unpick some of the habits that you've developed over the years to then be able to use your voice in a, in a kind of strong engaging way yeah I, I don't know if you've come across this concern I, i've had it a couple of times which has interested me but but people saying well if i change my voice or i change my register depending on who i'm speaking to whether it's young people old people if i adapt myself does that make me inauthentic and my answer is no yeah. it, it means that you are showing a greater sensitivity towards the needs of your audience if you know that certain language and certain uh, voice registers are going to resonate better with one audience than another and you adapt to that that's not inauthenticity that's you being very resourceful and, and using the toolkit that you've got now what yeah. i like I mean, about I talk about I talk about authenticity quite a lot. Um, I try not to use the word authenticity too much, but because of that reason, because there's this idea that there is one version of you. And if, if you do anything different, this is not the version of you that's real. Um, but on that, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert and you're an introvert as well. So the real version of me is like one who doesn't, isn't talking to anyone and is doing something on your own. And, you know, cause that's, that's where you feel the most comfortable. And the problem with that is that if you go out on behalf of your business to a networking situation and you have to connect with a load of people, that's not going to be in that version of yourself. 
Um, but it doesn't mean that there isn't bits of you that, that does have that ability. So a lot of the time I talk about finding like finding the, the person's passion. Get, if you get someone to talk about their passion, whether it's, I don't know, what's, what's your favorite hobby, for example? Well, I, enjoy, I can talk about running for ages. Running. Okay. So if I was to get you to, 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 to give, I won't, but if I was to get you to give like a, a five minute presentation on, on running or not a presentation, just to talk about running, suddenly you would light up. Suddenly your voice would be easier. Suddenly there would be, there, you would be a better presenter, communicator, just because you're talking about something that you love in a situation that you're comfortable in. So it's the same with your voice. You know, you, your voice will change there. It'll be more energized, but you're not like consciously trying to change your voice. So it's about taking things that are in that that sphere of what is actually natural to you in some situation and bringing that to the situation which is difficult for you and is maybe not one of your natural situations that you love communicating in. Which yeah, we all have. I, I love that because part of what you what you talked to me about before this was was people often say just be natural. Well, it's very difficult mm. to just be natural in a situation that is inherently unnatural when you're under pressure, yeah. when there are people around listening and uh, et cetera. Uh, I was working with somebody just last week and, and it was the exact thing. I was working with them on an exercise and, and they said, I'm comfortable doing this now with you because it's just you and I'm working with you. But if, if you put me in a different situation and ask me to do the same thing, I'd get very anxious. So we're now working on a number of things where we're trying to get that, that comfort, that level of natural feeling and, and put it into another situation and it, it's a transition mm. and it takes time and, and what i like about your branding is that you've got create clarify articulate and i think those are the three areas where people can hit obstacles you know sometimes they yeah. struggle to create something if they create something then they struggle to clarify what it, what the central messages or the central values are and sometimes they can be very clear on that but then struggle to articulate it and, and so i love yeah. the three because it's the three stages where do you find people struggle most in in articulating their message? You know, do you, do you take people from a point where they they have perhaps a message but struggle to get it across? And and where do you think those obstacles most commonly lie with a lot of people you work with? Um. So, well, if you think about it in 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 terms of speaking on behalf of your business, which you know I work with a, with tech businesses primarily, um, me being a techie person, and in that situation, there's often this. I'm sure you've seen this. We know a lot about the, our business and we forget that the people that we're talking to don't know about our business or don't care about our business or have no background at all. And so particularly within the world of tech, you've got people who know the technology really well. So much so that, I mean, the, the classic example is they use a lot of jargon, but it's not that. It's about it's about the mindset of speaking to someone who just doesn't have a background in the things that you're talking about and no interest in it. So I, an exercise that I often get people to do is just pretend you're speaking to either a person down the pub who's never, who doesn't do anything in, in the field that you're in or speaking to a 60 year old. And often the 60 year old is the one that, that really kind of clicks off um, or even younger. It depends how, how, how much interaction they've had with children, you know, but by the time children are nine, they're already clever enough to be able to understand what, what you're talking about. So you want to pull it down to the level where, they, where the person speaking really simplifies what it is that they're talking about. And it's, you know, it's a very simple ex exercise, um, but it helps, I think, to get you into that 
that mindset of what is it like to look at my business through the eyes of someone who doesn't know my business at all. Hmm. I like that a lot. There's a quote that I really enjoy and, and it's to do with this very subject you've just addressed, which is uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing and, and the true art of communication to take a subject matter that's complex in itself and unfold it so that a child could understand. And it's exactly the sentiment you've expressed. And I love the idea yeah. because it really does bring us down to that level. And then as soon as you get in front of an audience who, like I say, don't understand your subject matter or perhaps don't even speak English as a first language, then you're removing so many of those hurdles because you're, you're clarifying and, and speaking concisely and clearly to such a way that yeah. everybody can access it, which I really like. There's a great, um, just remember, there's a great uh, YouTube series. I think it's from Wired. I'm not sure where it's, an expert in a in a, a particular field explains something to five different levels of people so they'll start by speaking to it's maybe it's quantum physics or i've seen someone doing it about um jazz uh jazz phrasing or harmony and they explain it to someone who doesn't know anything at all they, they explain to someone who has a little bit of background all the way up to explaining it to someone who is like i think it was herbie hancock in the example of um jazz uh, jazz phrasings and it's really interesting just seeing how they change the way that they're talking so that if, if, if you're someone who yeah who's interested in in learning this watching those videos is a, is a good use of your time if you're procrastinating from something else <laughs> I, I like that recommendation because again it comes back to that idea of it's not inauthenticity it's just being able to adapt yourself to, to your audience which is a great skill of a good speaker i, I would i would argue so let's say there are people listening to this who say all right i've got a business I want to be able to communicate with people more effectively. I want to engage them and I want to use the toolkit that I, I have potentially to put across that voice of my business to connect with people in a more um, influential and persuasive way. What can people do with their voice that is perhaps a quick win for them or something they can, they can develop on relatively quickly? What are some exercises they can do to help improve the quality of, of their speaking voice? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, as you know, it's difficult to give examples that are going to be work for everyone, particularly with voice, because often we do things with our voice that we don't realize. And if, you know, if I come along as a, as a coach and I go, oh, look, what you're doing with your spine there, this is having this effect. Um, it's the sort of thing you won't even notice yourself. And I also have problems, you know, sometimes online being able to see what people are doing with their voice. Having said that, the, the kind of quick tip that I would give is just get your body involved. So if you're preparing, if you're warming up for something, for a meeting, for a presentation, whatever it is, um, get your body involved. If you like running, like you do, go for a run. Make sure you're sort of shaking yourself out because a lot of the time the problems that we have are related to tension in our body. And just really kind of let yourself go physically because a lot of the time we just get stuck in our head and we, we're kind of running over thoughts, we're running over ideas, and that just makes things worse now you know, I'm an engineer. I'm an intellectual person. I solve all of my problems intellectually. Um, I, I know what it's like to do that, but the more that I've got involved in my body, the, the easier things have become. So like just before this conversation, I was, I put on a, a good dancing track and I was dancing around the house just to sort of shake out all of the blog writing work that I was doing slightly earlier. So that I'd be ready physically to have a conversation. And, um, that's that's a, usually a quick win. Just dance, dance around the house, go for a run, do something fun. Mm. 
and and there's there's good evidence behind that. I was talking to um, to Pam Burroughs the other day, who does a lot of mm-hmm. stuff around mental health and, and well being and mindset, and and she was saying that the, the act of physically shaking all of your muscles resets your nervous system, uh, and and because we're adults and we are sometimes introverted, we don't want to do something like that because we think we'll look silly. Yeah. But actually, engaging with the childlike state within us actually takes a lot of that tension that you're mentioning away. So there is real yeah. um, evidence behind well, that. I, I do a lot of um, clowning and that's usually, that's often one of the warm ups that you'll do at the start of a clowning session is just do something to get your body involved. And as cl- in clowning, you're kind of, you're seeing that desire not to look stupid and you're going, okay, I'm going to just dive straight into it and try to look stupid. And, and on the other side of that, kind of feeling of looking stupid there is often great performances there's great connection and there's great authenticity authenticity and vulnerability behind that when you're able to do it but yeah in clowning it's all about getting attached to your body so that then you can do those amazing things Hmm. yeah I, i remember going to performances when i was in secondary school in sixth form watching the the drama club people do stage performances and because i had a bit of a musical background i was often in the band helping turn the pages and keep track of the music and stuff but i used to watch what was going on on the stage and i used to be spellbound by by people because i would see them warming up and i would see them doing these kinds of things and and think gosh they're really committed like that and then i would watch them perform and think that's why they've done it and i always had Mm -hmm. a secret admiration for those kinds of people and and never really got into it but now i do more coaching work and more speaking work and, and voice work as well I really do see the value in it and, and mm-hmm. I regret not getting involved in it sooner. And sometimes I do still have little inhibitions about doing some of these things, but I don't question their value. I just question my, my ability to get involved with them at times, but I do see the benefit and have always since I was at secondary school. Mm. And addressing those inhibitions is also like a, a kind of next level superpower thing of you're not trying to push them away and go, oh, okay, I'm not going to have those inhibitions. If you actually dive into them as a feeling and then just like fully embody them, often that that's when great performances happen. You know, if you go up and you're nervous, if you turn those nerves into, you know, we can, we can talk about turning nerves into positive energy, um, but you can also just kind of fully own that feeling of nervousness and often that can produce well certainly in terms of clowning it can produce very funny moments um that yeah if you were to sort of try and hide away from them the audience would feel they'd feel embarrassed on your behalf because they'd be like oh look that person's nervous whereas if you know get up and and show a bit of it they'll laugh and then you feel better um yeah that's it's a bit of a sort of Aikido role move on inhibition, really. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I take the point. I, I think there are there are times when I've I've perhaps done something on on a stage or talking to people that that I thought was a mistake, and actually it's brought a laugh out of people. And and I'm not a naturally funny person, but mm. when when I hear people laugh, I think, oh, they've, they've enjoyed it. Okay, well fine and then you just move on so the, there are moments where you do you do get anxious but when you hear people engage with it and enjoy it you think oh okay well yeah and the, i mean the the, cl- the clowny way of dealing with that one would be to you you kind of clock the audience so you look kind of look at the audience um with a like a bemused expression um but in doing that it's just a very simple action it looks like you've done it intentionally and they get you get a better laugh before, because of it. So that's one of those things that now every time I 
someone laughs, I will turn it into a clowny moment and then you seem a more funny person because you're just using those moments. But we, I mean, we laugh at things all the time as, as people and yeah, just kind of accepting that and going, yes, that was intentional. It's great. <laughs> Excuse me. When you think about um, examples in the world of, of businesses that have got this process right or, or they're effective with it in your view are there any examples you look out there and think that inspires me that that's that's a company that's embodying the kind of principles i try to teach um so well when, when we're talking about our business levels this, at the moment we're kind of talking about more on the individual level um when it goes on to a business level there's there's slightly more work that you have to do to to get a common personality in the business so that they come up so that whoever you're communicating with from that business feels like they're coming from the same family you know and, and there are definitely businesses that i've worked with where every communication with them is coherent and it feels you know you feel good speaking with one person and reading their marketing and then speaking with someone in customer services because you feel yeah these feel these people feel like they are they are part of the same business um when you get to really big businesses is there's it's interesting because there are businesses that do intentional things from that. So like I've been looking at, I've been researching Disney recently because Disney is one of these ones where they'll, they, they actually train people to, they, I mean, they call people cast members if, if you're working for Disney and you're working in one of their parks and, and you, you can't go out in front of the public without your persona on um without the persona of the character that you're playing now i mean there are obviously there's so many people that work for disney not everyone is going to be coherent but they but in general the way that it comes across as a company feels quite coherent and so i was looking at the they've recently changed their ceo and i was listening to him speaking and he feels like the sort of person that would lead disney from my perspective whereas there are some companies where you hear the ceo speak and you see what their marketing's doing and their marketing is very jazzy it's very filled with filled with personality because some branding agency has come in and said this is what you need to be as you're part of your brand voice but then you hear the ceo speaking and you think okay they just they're just talking about numbers and and you know business growth and things and they don't feel like that personality so it's about having this coherency when you've got a business across all of those places um in many cases which will involve some kind of workshops to to do the sort of things that we teach but with this eye to moving towards a coherent personality for the business mm. that can that coherence is vital and, and often as you mentioned it works from the top down and and at the very best if you haven't quite got that it makes people a little bit dubious but at the very worst it can cripple your entire marketing strategy because people will see this disconnect between what you're trying to achieve with your marketing and how the people actually embody it when you yeah. see it all of a sudden it I mean it goes both ways it's it, it's from the top down it's particularly when you've got a like a, a startup and it's it's grown and the, the founder is still the person who built the business like their personality is going to imbue that business hopefully or if not them someone who's within their team that's very close that's been with them the whole time but you can you can go into another to an existing business and kind of make it more coherent i think but you have to you have to go from both ends. You have to go with the, to the CEO and the people at the top, but also you have to find out what the what the, the people within the company feel is the the presiding personality of that company, um, 
and it may be more fractured at that point and you have to kind of pull it together but there will be there will be some people within that company who like exemplify what is great about that company and just accessing that and then building it into a personality that works and that feels authentic to to the people within it and to the customers is something that is it's very interesting as a as a topic to me mm. no, I, I like it and I'm I'm looking at a lot of social media recently and, and you can see you can see it you know you can mm-hmm. see when people have got a, a voice that resonates uh, with the people around them when you think back about the experiences that you've had so far in, in the work that you've been doing most recently can you point to uh, an experience you've had with a with a client or, or just in the work that you've been doing that you look back on fondly that you've had a, a rewarding experience with that you think yeah, that was a time I was really happy with that. Um, I think one of the times is when you when you do you know when you get, go to when you're watching uh, home renovation shows and they have this you know the the bit at the end where they they show you what it looked like beforehand and then they show you what it looked like afterwards because when when you're stuck or when you're stuck when you're within the middle of a process of changing someone you're always looking at the at the thing that they're doing at the moment so recently i've i'm just coming to the end of some uh coaching with a with a client and you know we've been getting down and dirty in all of the different presentations that they're doing for their business and this and that the other day we did a performance like a mock performance and i looked at what they were doing and i thought wow yeah you would not have done that before we had right back at the beginning of this kind of bout of of coaching um and I think that is, as a coach, it's very important to then reflect that, like let the the client reflect that as well for themselves and look back and go, oh, look, look how far I have come, you know, because um, we, we, we so there are, there are always things we want to develop. There are always things we want to get better at. So we're so focused on those. Sometimes we forget to look back and go, oh, yeah, I'm really good at that now or I'm a lot better than I was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they come up all the time. <laughs> As, as somebody who loves home renovation programs, I absolutely connect with that. With that, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's one of those things where you, you can sometimes look at the the end of the program where you get the before and after and you think, "Wow, look at the transformation!" But then you almost forget what went on in the middle to try and make that happen. And sometimes it's a a painful progress of slow growth where sometimes you can't necessarily see all the individual decisions that you're making. But then when you see the finished product, you think, "Wow, oh, okay, that's why all that was was happening at the time." And uh, yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's a, a really nice way to put it in terms of that gradual transformation that you work on with people. I know it's very difficult to predict, obviously, given the ongoing situation, um, but do you have anything that you're working on at the moment or anything that you're looking forward to in, in 2021? Um, for, for people who are listening to this, uh, long after this, the situation is the, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, I, I sometimes think about this, the, you know, in, in, in podcasts where people are talking about it. I think, well, in, in a few years, are we going to remember that that's a thing? I kind of feel that we will, but it'll be less. At the moment, it's like really deep in, we're in the middle of it. Um, I, at the moment, I'm, I'm doing a lot of content strategy with people. And I'm, I've started some interesting stuff with some new clients about, you know, videos. Videos are coming up. There's a lot of videos at the moment because of this pandemic situation a lot of businesses are coming out and going okay well how do we get in front of our clients now we can't go and meet them in person um so there are interesting things on that front 
And for me personally, I'm, I'm building a, this idea of, of developing a voice of your business at the moment, I'm building it into a keynote keynote speech. So that's something that I'm, and I'm writing a book about it, which hopefully unlike my voice book that, um, is massive, but has never been published. I will, I will definitely publish this one so that people can read it, but that'll be, that'll be sometime in the next year, probably or the end of this year. Yeah. Sounds exciting. I've, uh, yeah, I've talked to a couple of people that have written books and, and I've had the suggestion made to me and I was just like, I don't, I'd, I'd love to at some point, but at the moment, I just think that's such a big project that you'd, you'd have to. My advice is to get it done quickly. There's a, um, there's a, uh, it's not really a competition. It's a challenge every November called the National Novel Writing Competition uh, or Challenge. And it's NaNoWriMo is the name. And it, you have to write 50,000 words in November. So you have to write 1,667 recurring um, words per day. And it's a good way to do it because there's lots of people around. It doesn't need to be a novel, obviously. You can do it with anything you want. Um, I tried to do it with blog, blog posts one year, but that wasn't very good. I think having one big coherent thing you're working towards is better. And you just sit down every day, write your hour and a half, write your words. And then at the end of November, you've got, you've got some stuff that you then need to edit. Editing is then difficult from my perspective, but yeah, it's a good way to do it. And I'm doing that with my book at the moment. I've started writing at the start of February, which is the month that we're in at the moment. And I'm up to 25,000 words. I'm going to not going to go for 50,000 because it's going to be a smaller book, but yeah, it's a good way to do it. Good way to start the day. That's, that's impressive. I've just finished my master's degree and, and did uh, 15,000 words for my dissertation. So mm-hmm. I've got 15,000 already sitting there. It's now doing the rest of it. And, and I think I've, I've had a couple of months off after finishing the master's and I've got to really try and get my mind back into completing it. But I, I'm one of those people who feels really discontent when I've started something and it's not finished. It hangs in my mind and it's there until I get it yeah. done. So I, I will consider your challenge and, and have a look around at the things that... Uh... Well, I think part of that is, you know, knowing that you can do it. So when I wrote my PhD, I, did, I pretty much wrote it in three months, which was probably a terrible thing to do. But I <laughs> just sat down and like wrote every day. And once you've written a PhD, then you go, well, like writing a book is not that much of a big deal, really. But you've got to, you have still got to sit down and put the time in, which is often the difficulty because you haven't got that deadline looming. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that is the case with me now. I, I, I did the 15,000 to a good deadline and now I don't have a deadline that I've set myself. It's, yeah, like you said, I think, but PhDs are huge, aren't they? Like 100 and, 100 and something thousand words? Yeah, I think I, I counted mine the other day was either 75 or 95,000. Yeah. Somewhere in that realm of, of wordage fright frightening constant yeah no amazing so tell tell me a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you alex and uh which avenues are best and obviously specific problems they should get in touch about sure um well i'm interested in chatting to anyone really but the um you can get me on my website which is create clarify articulate.com which you mentioned earlier. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn at Alex Owen Hill. No, there's no at in LinkedIn. It's just Alex Owen Hill. Um, that's hyphenated, O-W-E-N hyphen H-I-L-L. And on the other platforms, it's at Alex Owen Hill with no hyphen, just sort of squashed together. Um, and yeah, if you've got any questions about about anything, how to build a, a business that is authentic, how to come up with a voice that works for your business, how to speak to people 
on behalf of your business or indeed how to use your voice more effectively in speaking engagements than getting contact. But as you say, I'm, I'm always happy to network with people for any reason. Wonderful. Well, I will put all of those details you've just mentioned into the show notes. So it's very easy for people to just drop down below, click and go and check out those profiles on the website. And it remains for me to say thank you very much for the time that you've given up today and uh, for the wisdom that you've shared. And I sincerely hope people will get in touch with those those situations because I, I imagine given the current situation and how people want to work going forward, there will be a lot of people who want to tackle some of those problems. So please do refer to Alex for those questions. And thank you once again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. I hope that what you've learned in today's episode will help you become a more effective communicator as you put it into practice. You can visit my website, simonspeaks.co.uk for more information, tips, articles and resources or to speak to me about working with me as a coach. I'm also available on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Simon Speaks. I'm on LinkedIn and I also have a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Speaks. Thanks again for tuning in today and I look forward to seeing you again next time.